We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man-to-Man Podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You know, follow me while I'm still verified before Elon Musk take that away. Uh, also, follow us on YouTube. Seahawks Man-to-Man is the name of the channel. That's the number two uh, man. Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and at CKID206. All right, we got another midweek episode for you as the Seahawks prepare to go to Arizona uh, to face the Cardinals. Um, as usual, you guys get the drill if you've been here uh, with us. No one covers the Cardinals. So uh, in lieu of having someone break down that matchup, I mean, me and Chris could do it, but yeah, who cares? Um, we are bringing on one of our favorite guests on the show. Uh, we have Sam Gold uh, on the line. Sam, welcome back to Seahawks Man to Man podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good, man. We are good. We are we are good. We are pleasantly surprised by the first eight weeks of the season. Did not expect them to be five and three. Uh, did not expect their defense to be lights out. Uh, at least the last three weeks. Um, did not expect Gino to be like a Pro Bowl lock before the bye week. Just tons of surprises, man. Chris, I feel like yeah. We it, am I, um, what else did I miss? Anything that's like jumping out? Tariq Woolen is elite. <laughs> we th- we thought he'd be okay and still raw, but he is actually elite. Kenneth Walker is the second coming of Le'Veon Bell, Barry <laughs> Sanders. It's it's crazy. Well, the, the Tariq thing actually doesn't – the speed at which Tariq hit this point surprises me, but not that he hit this point. No one, Everyone I talked to after they drafted him was like, he can get to this point. They just didn't think it would happen in year one like week two pretty much like they thought it would take time that part also i knew ken would be good ken you see him five touchdowns against michigan okay it was true but uh all right how are you sam i'm doing pretty good man uh yeah man i'm i'm gonna echo everything you guys said about especially about Tariq wool and it's you don't expect a rookie <clears throat> and a rookie was he a fifth rounder you don't expect him to be that good that quickly and it's it's the little thing it's 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 i I expected him to be good in press coverage, 
I did not expect him to be good in off coverage and sitting in kind of like that zone look with outside leverage and him just being so aggressive to drive on those routes. Like seeing him cover a drag route from across the field mm. is freaking amazing. Like he'll be out leveraged before the snap. They'll have like a four or five yard lead on him. And then he closes that gap and he's there. It's incredible. And, and sure, like you, you can't do that all the time. And he let that touchdown was it last week or the week before that. I was on, a, I think it was on a drag route. Uh, but you don't expect that consistency and that kind of uh, awareness to to be able to be that quick to decide and go. Like it's 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 pretty incredible. Yeah, that's an example of. Um... Uh, Chris, should we just start with Tariq then? You think we should start with him? Yeah, I was, I was, yeah. man, Sam brought it up, so we might yeah, as well. Yeah, go ahead. We, we, we could start with uh, Tariq, but I think, Sam, that's a, I wrote, I wrote about that a little bit too. So there was a play in training camp. Uh, I don't know mm. if they made the team site because they, they kind of cut off the YouTube feed when they go 11 on 11, where Tariq does that, where he comes from right cornerback, follows a crosser all the way across the field to the, where basically where like Sidney Jones was on his left cornerback. And then picks off, I think Drew Lock. Uh, he picked, pick, I forget who he picked off, but he picked it off. And even Pete Carroll after practice was like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that. It's yeah. like, I need to go, I need to go watch the film to see how the hell he did that. I mean, Pete wasn't like surprised, but he was just like, I, I've had a lot of corners. I don't think I've seen somebody do that. Um, and then he gets beat on that in the Falcons game. Um, uh, I forget the receiver's name, but the guy comes all the way across, mm. catches a really good ball by Mariota. He's number oh, seven. Zacchaeus? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that number. Uh, great catch, great throw. So he gets beat on it. And then the very next week, the Lions run something very similar uh, to TJ Hawkinson. And then, you know, Tariq's like, screw this. <laughs> I'm not getting beat. I've covered this route in practice before. Zoom. And then it's a pick, like, pick six. And yeah, like Sam was saying, to to do that because the the defense, the offensive player, like Samson, is running away from Tariq's leverage. Mm. You know, so like he's at all the disadvantage in the world. To even get there is crazy. To get there and get your hand on the ball is crazier. To get there and catch it, <laughs> yeah. Then the score means it, that's like some Deion Sanders shit. So uh, yeah, now that's 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 really impressive, man. What else has stood out to you, Sam, when you've watched uh, Tariq on tape this year? Yeah. Um... For me, it's so you have the athletics parts, right? You have um, his ability to be able to flip his hips and go from like a bail technique to, to coming back on like a comeback or a hitch route. You have the footwork and it's and it's not as simple as we knew we knew he's fast. It's the athleticism to fully drop them hips, turn his body and then step and go. And he does it so quickly and so fluidly that it's it it takes it takes the the he's athletic comment or like he's an elite athlete comment like to me to the next level because there's a lot of elite athletes but there's not a lot of guys that have elite deep speed elite turning speed you know it's 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 all those metrics that we talk about at the combine like the three cone the the ten yard split it's it's all those metrics just packaged into like one dude that can do that and I think. His, I think he's playing extremely well right now. And there, and there, and I mentioned this in my video on him that there are some things that I think he can improve on in terms of like, in terms of his route recognition, um, kind of just understanding how offenses will attack like his, his leverage and his zones. It's stuff like that where, but that's expected. 
it's expected of a guy coming from, you know, like a college system to coming to an NFL system to understanding how, like how different offenses will, um, will scheme design to just target one player. And like Kyle Shanahan's like, he's, he's, he's always been great about this where he'll just literally point at a dude and, and on the other teams like film and practice and say, we're going to target this guy and he's going to have the worst game like in his entire career this week. And they'll literally design three or four plays against that one dude taking advantage of his traits. And I've heard that from multiple like former players talk about it. It's, it's those type of things that in college, you just don't have time to, to do that because you're basically just showing, all right, let's teach the scheme. Let's make sure that, that, that they're sound and, and let's, let's try to make plays. And let's try to be fast. But it's that level of attention that is going to take his game to the next level. Uh, and, and straight up, I mean, I, th- I think he's on the right trajectory. I think he's looking really good for this. And all it does appear that when it's all said and done, he will win defensive rookie of the year. Just the way he's playing, he's getting interceptions. He has a touchdown. He has a field goal that's been blocked. He's doing everything. And I'm going to ask you this, but what do you think his ceiling is? How how good can this guy be? Because everything he's doing now, some dudes aren't doing until their third and fourth year, and he's doing it as a rookie. And there are plays where – he even said it after a game where he said, I'm just out there, you know, like sometimes I know what I'm doing. Sometimes I don't. Mm. And even on the film, it doesn't even look like he doesn't know what he's doing. That's how good he appears. So what is his ceiling? You think? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, the first comment I'm going to make is that uh, sauce Gardner is putting up a really good fight. And I think yes. he's currently leading yeah. like the Absolutely. defensive. I don't, I don't see cave Thibodeau winning it, but I think because of his name, I think he, he had like, Statistically, how he compares to other defensive defensive ends and pass rushers, I don't think Thibodeau should win it, but I think he he has a good shot just because of his name and just because where he's drafted. Uh, Tariq has the opposite problem where he's no one knows UTSA. Nobody really follows the Seahawks outside of, you know, specific stuff um, and really knows like all their players and stuff like that. And also you have sauce and the New York appeal. So that obviously gives them advantages in, in that respect. Going back to your question on um, his ceiling, though, man, that's that's a really hard question because, I mean, he could be like a Champ Bailey type if 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 you're talking like if if this is like his rookie season and he just keeps going up, that's that's like what you're looking at right now. It's it's and it's it's not an exaggeration to say that's the type of ceiling he could have because of his physical traits. And I feel like someone who's going to listen to the show is going to be like, he plays nothing like Champ Bailey or something. It's 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 not that. It's just that the 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 perennial All Pro type player is what his talent is showing at least at this exact moment, and that's and that's something that, I mean, shoot, I I, I hope he gets there. This is this is this is where I'm gonna, I'm not gonna say he's gonna get there because you know n- knowing me, I'm gonna jinx it. But you know, it's it that's 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 my hope. I mean, I'll put it this way. I remember the interception, I think, against – oh, man, I'm going to forget the team. Anyway, they're playing cover three, and there's no one in his zone. So he just follows the other – follows the receiver across the field and picks it off. And I'm thinking, if they're in cover three like I think they were, he really just did his own thing and got an interception. <laughs> That's how yeah. talented he is. He he just makes up on the fly and is like, yeah, no one's in my zone. Let me just follow this guy. Oh, interception, pick six. Matter of fact, I think it was the Lions, if I'm not mistaken. Was it the Lions, Mike? Yeah, where he, where he drove on that over. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So, no, that's, that's 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 the play call. That's the that's, okay. That's, that's the play. The, okay. They, yeah, they basically just match that route. 
Um, that makes sense so then. Okay. Because yeah, remember, remember last year after the Vikings game, Trey Flowers was like, "Man, we got to figure out how to cover these dig routes. Like, either they're gonna figure yeah. it out, or I'm gonna oh. figure it out." And then Trey never played <laughs> yeah. again. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, that's and then you saw the week four of last year. Uh, uh, someone ran a dig route on Sidney Jones, and he followed it. But then the Debo Samuel got the wheel route touchdown. Yeah, um, a little miscommunication. Jamal Adams on was that turning one. him like he turned, yeah. Jamal Adams turned around like, "Dude, Sidney, where you at?" <laughs> um, so you can see in the off season, they were like, all right, how can we stop these dagger concepts? Well, we can just yeah. match the route that we, you know, it's, it's good coaching. Um, but you, it took all of getting cooked last year <laughs> yeah. to, to, to kind of figure it out. I'm with you, Sam. I think that the race between him and sauce though, that'll be, that'll be really impressive, uh, to see, but that just shows you how crazy the draft is sometimes. What what pick was sauce Four, three? Yeah. It's like four or something. Yeah. Like one of the one of the top five picks and Tariq was picked 153 yeah. <laughs> like 154 or something like that. It It's very similar to that 2011 draft where they found Richard Sherman. And I think what Patrick Peterson was a top 10 pick in that, mm-hmm. in that class out of LSU. And then Sherman was like pick 150, yeah. you know, and they're just neck and neck. I think Sherman's better, but like they were neck and neck there for, for a little bit. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, and I don't think you're jinxing it, Sam, uh, with his ceiling, man. I think a lot of people in the building feel the same way. It's just how fast he can he can get there. Because I mean, I've even talked to some. I'm doing a story on how they um, scouted him and everything, and everyone's just like, I was just like, hey, what's your first impressions on him? It was like he's six four and can drop his hips. How the hell does that get to the fifth round? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then he runs six to four two six at the combine. It's like, well. How does that get to the fifth round? Uh, and the thing is, he, he had to fall that far for, for like even the Seahawks didn't take him in the third or 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 wherever with their other picks. So it's it's not like it's not like we can we can play. Uh, we knew uh, you know like we like we took a swing and it was here. It was that was straight value. Like that was like that was as as value pick as you get with upside. That there's no risk with a fifth round pick. It's a fifth round pick is you don't even like expect them to to make the playing field the rookie year. But man, he's starting. He's playing. He's playing well. Yeah, it's usually like a, with the fifth rounders, depending on the position. Obviously, this doesn't apply to like a defensive tackle. But you're start, you're right. thinking kind of special teams with their with their mm-hmm. year one impact. Like with Tariq, I'm I'm pretty sure the Seahawks were like, hey, if gunner. nothing else, in year one, he's a gunner on punt. Mm-hmm. He's a gunner on kickoff, and he'll fly down there and hit somebody. You know, like that. At worst, that's what he is. You know, and nah, <laughs> he's out there. Uh, p- picking off passes. Uh, that that that's pretty nuts, man. Uh, I want to stay with the secondary um, because what we've they were kind of tight lipped when they hired Clint Hurt uh, about like what the defense would look like in terms of new stuff. Just we kind of knew fan, it would be Fangio inspired, but um, and he, Clint had kept saying aggressive, aggressive, and I think that for everyone, the, the, the simplest thing we wanted to see was just less of Brian Monet and Puna Ford in coverage. You know, like. Mm. Let's just stop that, um, which he has, you know, credit, credit to Clint there. Uh, but now we, uh, uh, with an eight game sample, we've seen really what the evolution of the new defense looks like. Um, you talked about this in one in your video uh, on Tariq and their, their new base coverage essentially is not cover three. Now it's like cover six, you know, mm. cor- uh, cover four to one side and cover two to, to the other side. What, what have you made of just when you watch their defense, that being their new base coverage and how it kind of, you know, helps their guys uh, perform well? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so 
from last year to this year, kind of as you just mentioned, there was a noticeable uptick of of their playing of cover six, which, as you said, is some people call quarter, quarter, half, or some people call it, um, yeah, you have cover, cover two, cover four. You have some people call it cover eight, depending on if you switch the sides on which sides the quarter four, the quarters are on or the cover four is on or the cover two is on. Doesn't matter. It's all it's all the same thing, just depending on which side you're going to line up with weak versus strong. For the purpose of this, let's just say cover six. There was a noticeable uptick from last year to this year of that coverage. And, and that became, that was basically at the expense of their base cover two. Last year, they ran cover two at something like 20 something percent of the time. This year, their cover two rates are down to like 10%. And, and to make up that difference, cover six is basically taking that place. I'm a huge fan of cover six especially especially when the Rams used it against the Seahawks mm-hmm. when Brian Schottenheimer was the uh, offensive coordinator. Cover six destroyed the Seahawks offense back then. <clears throat> what would happen was that you saw Schottenheimer loved shotgun trips to one side and then DK Metcalf by himself on the other. He loved that formation. That was like his bread and butter. Like he, he lived and breathed in that formation. The problem is that cover six just completely destroys it because right. you can you can put two guys on DK simply by alignment, and then you have the cover four side on the other side, and that basically limits your big plays because you have you have those two safeties over there on the over top that quarter side, and it basically annihilated any sort of upside with that play in that formation. Basically, what would happen is that it forced Russell Wilson into into taking those those honey hole shots at the left sideline between. You know, like a like a cover two corner. He's like a sideline uh, corner along with that that deep half corner. And the thing was that at a certain point, Russ just couldn't hit them. You know, because he had the finger injury or or whatever happened to whatever happened to him. We just we just lost that ability over time to to consistently hit that and take that shot. And at a certain point, Russ just stopped looking that direction because he's like, "Well, shoot, they're they're playing cover six. I can't I can't <laughs> hit this." And so very, therefore, I'm going to look to my right. And then what would happen is that on that cover six side, on that cover where you have that cover two side, um, that interior uh, zone hook curl cor- uh, linebacker uh, right underneath there, he'll start cheating. So he started cheating to the strong side. And then now you have basically an overwhelming mass of defenders there taking on three dudes. And since Russell Wilson wasn't is, isn't going to look for you know our, our checkdowns, he's, he's not going to look for those plays. And because DK Metcalf ran like four routes the entire year, it just completely destroyed our entire game plan. Mm. And he did that. The, the Rams did that over and over and over. And then other teams were like, "Wait, that actually worked. Let's do that." And they started <laughs> using it. And so you just saw like this rise of cover six, and it was just like it's inching up. And then all of a sudden you're like, "All right, now now we have to like call call some other plays and whatever." And that pretty much took like a high powered top five offense in the, in the, in the league to like one of the worst offenses in the league and like in the matter of weeks. And it was Brian Schottenheimer who couldn't adjust to that. It was Russell Wilson who couldn't adjust to that. It was, it was the entire team is basically like, I don't know what to do. They're covering me different you know. And we always <laughs> got those comments every single week that are like teams are covering us different. It's like, we know. So it's so adjust. Um, anyways, I digress. But basically, you see those those coverages change. 
and you see the proclivity of the NFL moving to like trip sponge formations and, and, and trips to a side. And to me, cover six is a natural progression to stopping that. And I think the Seahawks see this, but then also the, the huge benefit to me is that the Seahawks outside of Quandry Diggs, like who are their safeties? You see Ryan Neal, who, who's now playing incredibly well for the past couple weeks, but they don't really have the safeties after Jamal Adams got injured in order to consistently man a cover two side or, or, or even consistently play that. Um, so what would happen is that cover six, it takes the pressure off people because then you can start bracketing and then you have players that aren't responsible for large open areas of the field and they can just play more aggressively towards those routes, those in-breaking routes that just destroyed them in the past. And to me, cover six, what is the current kind of the solution to that? It'll be really interesting to see if they keep doing it, like keep going forward for the rest of the season. Are you, have you been surprised by how Ryan Neal's uh, played then in that regard? Because he's been probably like, what, their fourth yeah. best defensive player? Uh, making yeah, plays I'm, all over the place. <laughs> I'm shocked. Like it's, and it, it's it's not that I, like I dislike Ryan Neal or anything like that, but it's, he, he, he would have those, those games that were so bad like in the early in the season or, or last season. And then you would and to see him play this good. I think it's, I think it's pretty shocking. And it's pretty awesome how much he's embraced kind of like that, that underneath role and, and, and helping out. See, I, this defense, man, you would think as poorly as they played against the Niners, against the Falcons, against the lions, you would think, man, they got to bring somebody in, which the Seahawks have done in years past where, okay, we got to figure something out and make a trade a big free agent pickup. They have done things in the past where they just go out and get someone. This season, they said, no, we're just going to switch up our personnel, make it work, and the last few weeks, it has worked. So my question to you is, how did they do that? How did they realize that, you know what, we do have the guys in the locker room. We don't need to go outside and change the personnel. And Will this continue, you think, the rest of the season where these guys are continuing to play well? You mentioned Ryan Neal. Mm. What about Kobe Bryant, who comes in on first down, and they're playing nickel against, yeah. you know, a team that might be with three wide receivers, a tight end. He has to make those run fits. So do you see this consistently going throughout the whole season where they're successful as well? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, it's a really good question. And and to me, a big part of the, like the Seahawks like transformation over the past, especially over the past few weeks, like we can talk about like the first four or five weeks that were just god awful. And then we can compare that to these past few weeks. And to me, it it I think and and I feel like like Maddie Brown and those other guys are gonna hate me for this comment. I feel like it's an execution thing more than 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 a I don't or I don't know if they hate me for this, but I think it's more of an execution thing overall than it is purely like, all right, let's let's change up the scheme beyond that. Like it's the scheme is obviously different than like than previous years. And th- and that's and that's been especially with the different run fits, as you said, and and they've been using more of that that three four base, but they've also used that in the past too. So that's not like this this like brand new concept that people are like making up. Like that's that's been there for a couple of years. I think they've used it to a higher percentage now, but I think it's always been there. Um, I think purely from an execution part, that is what is leading to this defense like renaissance. It's it's players understanding their assignments. It's players relying on other players to understand their assignments. And I, I think it was um, you or somebody else that mentioned about Quandry Diggs and how he was like very hesitant to start the season. And then he start now he's starting to more f- like fly around and make plays and stuff because he can now trust his cornerbacks to be there. He can now he can now trust his linebackers to cut to, to cover seams and, and do the right things. As much as we we've been hating on Cody Barton for like the past, I don't know, past year or so, Cody Barton's playing a lot better than we than like we need to give him credit for that. Yeah. Covering seams against the Chargers was awesome. Like him covering seams and stopping those plays up the middle. Uh that's that's what this defense needs, and, and they rely on it because they're putting him in this awkward, like weak side position where, where he's getting exposed. And it's a hard role to play with. And Barton, to his credit, has played as as drastically improved at playing that role. Uh it's little things like that that just add up, in my opinion. I think I think a lot of defense, and and again, I'm going to get hated for this comment. I think it's it's about random bits of execution on a week by week basis of how well someone's playing on a on a specific play and how that overlaps to see these gaps. And and to me, I think their overall floor is being raised because everybody is just is just doing a better job of understanding their role and their assignment and just basically not making the stupid mental mistakes that have occurred, especially in the past and especially earlier this season. And like I watched the Lions game where they gave up like 40 or 50 points or whatever that was. It was an execution problem. Like it that was a pure execution problem in terms of on a play-by-play basis. And now you can argue that they should have just done what I suggested, which is play cover one man, like double up Hawkinson and just and just do that the entire game. And and that would have been, I think that's a fair argument. But I I think more than anything else, the big plays were just missed tackles here and there. They were a, a blown uh, seam route that didn't get covered. They were um, when in, in, in zone coverage when a an offensive player enters your zone, 
and you're not responsible for it because he goes to a certain direction. Let's let's say you're that hook curl zone in the middle, and and an, and like someone goes through your zone on on um like like an out route. Then you have another route that comes through it. You're pretty much always responsible for picking up that second dude. Like it pretty much guaranteed in any in any defensive playbook, the second guy that comes through your zone, if you don't cover that guy, that's your fault. And that was the biggest issue was that a lot of second guys were getting free, basically free passes through zones when they shouldn't have been. And so we kept seeing that. And that's when you see that Hawkinson big play up the sideline. That's when you just see guys just not carrying routes that they're supposed to. And then now these last few weeks, we see those routes getting covered correctly. We see, and we see those plays not getting blown up because they understand the execution part of it. Um, and so to, to me, I, th I think that's part of it. And also you, you have the emergence of like a guy like Ryan Neal, who's crushing it, who's helping the, the rest of the team feel confident. Um, and I, and I, th I think there's a level of, um, that certainty that plays into it when you can trust your guys or trust your other teammates. Um, it helps you play faster and better too. Yeah, there's, um, I was trying to try to pull it up, see if I could throw it in here. Uh, but as I was watching the film of the Giants game last night, actually, and, I was thinking that there's a play, uh, Saquon Barkley, uh, it's just a well-blocked up play, uh, really. Mm -hmm. um, and he ends up uh, coming up the, like Tariq sets the edge. So mm -hmm. then uh, Saquon has to cut it, cut it inside. Um, and it plays pretty much just him one-on-one -on -one with Quandre running the alley. If Quandre misses, it's a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah. You know, like we saw uh, against Taysom Hill and like we saw with, yeah. uh, I think, Jamal Williams, Stiff Farming, Josh Jones. Josh yeah, Jones. Josh Jones in week four for a 50-yard touchdown. Yep. Same basic idea that, like, all right, everyone's doing their job. Safety makes the tackle. It's the difference between a 13-yard run and a 70-yard run. You know, it's the, that's uh, – I wanted to pull – that thing's not loaded. But that's when you said – mentioned, Sam, the execution thing. That, that was a play that jumped out to me last night. I almost posted it, um, but – Somebody misses a tackle really bad on it. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 maybe I'll pull it up. Maybe I'll post it still. But it was one of those. I was like, oh, yeah, right, shit different. Uh, <laughs> they're just they're just tackling. Um, and also there was a play against the Giants as well, where they they run a similar concept that one of those Hawkinson touchdowns um, was on. And instead of it being a blown coverage. I think Jordan and Cody just play it right. And then yeah. I think Daniel Jones ends up scrambling for like four yards to the sideline or something like that. I was like, oh, there you go. That, that's it. Yeah. It's guys, it's guys just playing better. And we, you're right. So we do owe Cody some little, little love here. He was a big part of their game plan was shutting down Justin Herbert. Um, yeah. That was seen, which is a crazy sentence. To yeah. You, um, I don't, I don't know who, who schemed that up and I don't know who trusted Cody Barton to do that, but man, props to you. Like props to that guy, whoever, whoever, like stood on that table was like, this is Cody's week. We got him. Yeah. Like, whoever said that, like they they deserve like like a beer or a hug or I don't I don't even know. They deserve something. Yeah, you saw the growth week by week. And then I'll go back to the Giants game. He's playing, it's fourth down. The Giants mm -hmm. have to score. They're doing a crossing pattern with I think a tight end, a wide receiver deep. And the guy goes behind Cody. And mm -hmm. earlier in the year, Cody wouldn't feel that. He wouldn't be aware yeah. that okay, there's a guy coming in your zone slide over to the left to try to make a play on it. And I I, can't, I need to find the story that Mike wrote where he talked about when Cody Barton is target, targeted, teams are 12 for 12 and like 50-something yards completing mm -hmm. passes against him. Now you see Cody against the Giants. He fills it. He keeps moving. He keeps moving. The ball's thrown, hands up. He just drops it. 
Those mm-hmm. are things he's getting better, and you you mentioned that as well as the defense as a whole has gotten better. So even though his play might have they might have used other players in different scenarios, when he goes out there, he's still making impact plays, and that's I think what I want to hit on is the fact that yeah, his amount of snaps might have gone down, but his impact plays he almost had a pick right there. I don't know if he would have mm-hmm. picked it off for pick six, but that was just a play that shows the growth of the defense and Cody Barton knowing and being aware of, okay, I know what I'm doing here. I just, this is my first time starting. There's a lot thrown at me, but now he's understanding that. And you saw that on Sunday against the Giants. So that I just wanted to give another shout out. I said that on the, on our podcast on Sunday night, but just want to bring it back to those attention to to, to those listening, because Cody's definitely figuring it out and he's only going to go up from here for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think uh, it's been uh, it's been interesting. There's certain guys who I mean, it makes sense when you think about it, like when they're when they're going backwards in a pedal, like they're really like solid, you know, because they can see it. And there's some guys who are just like with their back turned. They're really they're they're like you can tell how comfortable they are. It's very fascinating to see who's who's who, because um, like you mentioned, Sam, like you were like, I thought Tariq would be great in press and, and man, because. He's he's one of those guys who's comfortable if he has to turn mm. and run. I mean, look at the pick he had on Kyler Murray. That's textbook yeah. right there. He had no problem turning his head away from the quarterback and running. And it, Cody actually seems to be really good in that position. Mm. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'm surprisingly is the word, but like you see him carrying those seams against the Chargers, just like yeah, with his back to the quarterback, he seems very comfortable. Whereas I think like someone like Jordan is actually better when those drops where he can see everything. Yeah, where he can see and drive. Yeah, it's a it's. Yeah. He, when when Pete sometimes or even Clint Hurt says like we got to put our guys in position, you know that coach speak cliche. That's something right. I've kind of that's kind of picked up. Like you know some guys are better in that. Like like I think Kobe Kobe Bryant is one of those guys who's uh who's like that when he can see everything. Yeah, he plays with, which is probably why it's, he's doing good at nickel. It's interesting. Um, like Tariq Woolen and, and you remember that pick against Kyler Murray that was it was like a comeback up the sideline by like uh Mark uh, Marquise Brown, um. The fascinating part about Tariq Woolen's scouting report was that, like, he was not good at that in college. Like, he, he, his timing on turning his head and body to anticipate when the ball was coming, that was like a scouting report, like, weakness. That was like one of the things people were like, he can cover, but he doesn't know where the ball's going. And now he does. <laughs> That's like terrifying. It's and, like, funny. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's like, you. Now he does. <laughs> it's so funny you say that because I remember I went to a Seahawks walkthrough earlier in the year during right before training camp started, and I was talking to a reporter about Tariq Woolen, and he was like, yeah, he's just so raw. He doesn't turn his head, things of that nature. And literally, they were doing a play. Defense is not supposed to make a play on it, but you can tell Tariq is out here trying. Mm-hmm. Tyler Lockett, is, he did like maybe a, a goal line corner route, and – Tariq just stares at him, puts his hands up. He doesn't turn around. And in my head, I'm like, bro, turn around. You get mm-hmm. a pick. You are taller. I can see you have the speed because you're right there with him. And then you see the progression. Yeah. You saw. You talked about the play against the Cardinals where he – nice little hand on Marquise. Oh, you mm-hmm. want to run up the sideline? Okay, cool. I'm going to run with you. Oh, you're mm-hmm. looking for the ball? Okay, cool. Let me turn my head and look. Oh, bro, I'm about to go and get this. Those are the things that he's improved on. Just, just like that. Just knowing and being comfortable because it's very scary to – Run with some dude, put your arm out, turn and trust your instinct and your body and make a play. A lot of dudes can't do that. A lot of guys just run with their hands up, freaking out, don't turn their head. But Tariq, to be able to do that in his rookie season, incredible, especially considering that 
early on in the year, he wasn't doing that. There are mm-hmm. countless times I remember him just, oh, hands up. You know, I'm just going to run with the dude. Bro, turn your head. Yeah. Mike hears me say that all the time at training camp. Dude, turn your head. They don't trust you, Chris. Nah, man, you work on it. There's a damn drill that you guys do where <laughs> you walk through it. Your quarterback coach or DB coach throws it up to you. You work on turning your head, turning your flipping your hips, and mm-hmm. making a play. Nothing's changed. Now it's just the game scenario. So I just wanted to add that little tidbit. 100%. Yeah, no, he's been he's been very, very impressed. He's also good, too, dropping and just driving on stuff, too, something that's like, like Sam so mentioned. Good. I mean, the, the PBU he had against the Giants is exactly that. Uh, yeah. Drops, drives on the route, hand, clean, just boom, just impressive stuff. Uh, last thing last thing on the D, um, you, were, uh, you and pretty much everyone in Seattle was like, after a few weeks, Sam was like, huh, Daryl Taylor's not playing well. That's weird. Uh, uh, and, and and broke it down. Um, and now, you know, DT's playing well. Uh, Uchenna's been, just been rock solid, you know, in this kind of defensive resurgence over the past few weeks. What have you seen from DT and just the pass rush in general, by the way, that leads the league in sacks in the past three weeks with a 14? Ooh. Um, yeah. To me, so you have Uchenna, who that was like one of the best signings of, of probably the offseason. And he wasn't that expensive either, which was – the fascinating part, um, he's been Uchen has been one of the Seahawks like best players, if not like top two, top three. Uh, but he's playing extremely, extremely well now. In terms of Daryl Taylor, and this is something that I called him out in my video on him, um, his approach to his pass rushes were way too steppy. Like he took way too many steps before he even made contact. And, and I heard people talk about his hand fighting. I heard people talk about um, he just runs around them or, or you know, like, you know, the, the classic, like, I'm, I'm going to watch this and I just see him <laughs> rounding the corner and just like sprinting. I always see him do that. Um, the issue was his approach and the angles he took, especially starting from an outside position. Um, standing so far outside this year is, has been an adjustment. And I think he's I think he's making that adjustment, but I also think he's being a lot more aggressive about making contact and using his hands um, and and using his strength. Um, he is he can be a really good speed to power bull rusher where he gets that one arm. And, and I remember you, you posted the, the link about um, Daryl Taylor talking about how he likes rushing from outside the right tackle because he likes to use his right hand to, to push and make and reach to make that one arm. And. If he lands that, that's a really, really good move. Uh, the issue is that I didn't see him land that a single time throughout the first like four or five weeks of the season. It, it was it was like he was allergic to touching that 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 right tackle and getting his hand on there like he like he was told like stay outside, stay outside. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get beat outside. And then he didn't make an impact. And I think now he's he's I think he's like all right. I'm gonna actually <laughs> start doing that. And I'm gonna start. Uh, I, I, I think, I think to me, it's, I don't know if it's like, it's just a misunderstanding or, or it's just, uh, or there's, I, I, I just can't explain like why, like what, why he was doing what he was doing, but it seemed like he unlearned some of the best parts of his game from last year and just like refused to apply them this year until, until hopefully more recently. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. 
Yeah, DT stepping up and, and, and getting to the quarterback to help Chenna out, man. It's very that's key to this defense turning around, man. Because mm-hmm. Chenna was out there by himself as the only dude rushing the passer for like four weeks. Uh, yeah. It was uh, felt felt bad for the dude. Oh, another dude by the way was comfortable just kind of doing whatever. He covered that wheel route on Saquon Barkley on Sunday. I was like, wait, whoa, that dude is uh, you know, he is he is talented. Although he did the he did with Chris talking about put his hands up like yeah. Ah. Uh, you, you don't want to give him a DPI, but you also you also don't know where it's coming. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not super comfortable doing, but he looked very, very, very comfortable compared to his other outside linebacker guys, like in space covering Saquon on a wheel route. I remember the first time they debuted this new defense, and like Alton Robinson ended up covering like Zay Jones up the sideline on like against the Raiders in the preseason, and everybody was like, "Mike, what the hell is this new defense?" Where it has Alton mm. Robinson covering Zay Jones <laughs> up the sideline, like we should mm. kill this shit. Sign of things to come, uh, it turned out to be. Um, let's let's flip to the other side of the ball to not only the best story of the Seahawks season thus far, but the best, I would argue, the best story of the NFL season, and that's that's Geno Smith, uh, known on this podcast as King Gene, uh, because when you play that well, you get a nickname because uh, he is just 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 balling. Um, he's doing everything well. He's 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 reading stuff. He's statistically he's he's pretty much top ten in everything that matters. Completion mm-hmm. percentage, all the advanced stuff, uh, completion percentage over expectation, EPA numbers, yeah. uh, big time throws, the fewest percentage of off target throws, touchdown percentage, small interception percentage. It's just everything. Every time you look at a high Q, a good QB stat, Geno Smith of Seahawks is in there. So Sam, question to you is of all the things that he is doing well. Um, what is surprising you the most when you watch Gino operate the Seahawks offense? Yeah. Um, so to answer that question, to me, Gino Smith was a guy that I feel like I could that I feel I feel like the common sentiment of him, at least in the previous years, whenever whenever he played for Russell Wilson, whenever he was out with the with the finger injury or whatever, I think the common sentiment was he can operate a structured offense. He just can't do anything outside of that. I think that was, to me, the most common thing I saw. When, I think when he played, what, it was Pittsburgh last year or some of the other yeah. games he played. Pittsburgh, New Orleans, and Jacksonville and the fourth yeah. quarter against the Rams. Right. Um, yeah, it seemed like his ability to operate like a quick game style thing or, or a standard five-step drop passing game, those were all usually fine. Um, he didn't play to the level of accuracy he's throwing right now, and he, he didn't he didn't play – that you know he he didn't make those those high velocity throws he's killing right now but but he seemed like he could play a very structured offense no thrills let's just let's just keep the game i'm going to manage it and that's it it seemed like that's what he was and what he was good for uh so t- t- i bring that up because the most shocking thing to me so far has been his ability under pressure and especially when that structured play breaks down. That is, that is to me, the most shocking part of all of this because that's what takes his game to the next level in terms of his ability to, to keep the offense on the field. He saved multiple sacks and his ability to scramble and, and escape outside the pocket. He's picked up multiple first downs by scrambling for them too. Also, he's also cl- completed a couple of big throws while he's running too, and and you got that what was that that Saints throw up the sideline that he was you know to his left and he was kind of trying trying to shuffle that way. You get plays like that that do not make sense <laughs> for anybody 
to throw and make, and he's doing them consistently. And it's again, it's it's the the unsurprising part is him operating a structured offense. The surprising part is him doing everything outside of that to a very very high level, and and especially how he takes on pressure, especially relieving uh, the two rookie offensive linemen. It's 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 amazing to me how good he is like straight up like i i i, I know I feel, I feel like we're beating a dead horse anytime we talk about gino but it's he's legitimately a top five quarterback right now like it's not even like this isn't even like a, a hot take he's a top five quarterback right now the question is can he maintain that who, who knows but he's a top five quarterback right now and if he plays like this all season he's gonna make so much money next year so much Chris, yeah, we we, I, we haven't done this in a little bit. How, what's the list of guys playing better than Geno? How many people has on it? What th- three? Let's count it. Patrick up, Mahomes and Josh Allen. There's an argument coming? for Tua, actually. Oh yeah, Tua. Thank you. So There's those an three. For Tua and Jalen Hurts. Oh no, Tua's numbers are crazy right now. Like the the games yeah. that Tua has started and finished, <laughs> he's putting up yeah. ridiculous numbers. Uh, and yeah, Jalen so Hurts and Hurts too. Well. Yeah, yeah. So I would say just four guys. Hard. Yeah, which is and, crazy. And yeah. Even 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 the uh, the hurts, even hurts and two are are debatable in terms of who's playing better than Gino. Like it's yeah. like I would say he's in he's he's if Josh Allen and Mahomes are are tier one, they're all tier three or tier two, and they're sitting there, and they're and I'll I'll take any of them. So it's he's he's top five at worst, which is <laughs> I would never have predicted that. Yeah, the um you know a little maybe I'll call this a behind the scenes nugget, but it was uh, to, to speak to something you're talking about, Sam is when I was talking to some of the, the coaches uh, in the preseason, um, it was weird because they didn't want to go all in on one guy or the other because there was a competition, which stinks. Yeah. So some of the best quotes haven't come until now. Um, Cause they, they knew that if they leaned, spent too much time talking about one guy or the other, they, how it would sound. Everyone was trained really well uh, on yeah. that. And it, in like camp. That. it was, it was, it was pretty annoying, but I understood it. Anyway, I remember talking to um, some members of the coaching staff, and they were saying kind of like, like you're getting at Sam, they're like, you know, we know Gino can get to number one, meaning like the, the first read in the projection. We know we can call a play. If the guy's open, he'll hit the guy. Fine. They were like, but they're like, you know, he's in year 10. So he's seen everything. He's got it. He can do more than that. So we just wanted him to – do do a little more um and you didn't really see a ton of that in the preseason part of that he was mm-hmm. throwing the guys that couldn't catch and then yeah all, all of a sudden it was just like oh yeah i'm gonna just gino's throwing pro day throws in games yeah and that that when you're talking about against the saints where he's rolling left and hits noah fan you know it's just up the sideline over the corner and just like come on kid does that in pro day he goes the first round you know both of his touchdowns yeah. against the saints that he throws to tyler you, you hit those throws, you're going to the first round. You're top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit those on your – even you hit those against air, let alone in the <laughs> goddamn triple triple coverage. No, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it, it's in some of these throws. Uh, Chris and I broke down. Well, Chris, we've both done a Geno throw breakdown Yeah, uh, already. I think you did yep. the Saints the, the, – the first Saints touchdown to Tyler, and I did the – last week I did the one to Noah um, the, the, against the Chargers. It doesn't get completed because Noah drops it. But mm-hmm. it was one of the best balls he's thrown. Just right, yeah. right, up, right up above the linebacker in front of Nasir Adderley coming down. I was like, come on, man. That's a you're going first round. Uh, you make that throw. So I didn't hint to that a little bit, Sam. Do you think he'll keep this up um the rest of the year? The the thing is so the, the question everyone always asks is like, will he regress to the mean? And the question is like, I don't even know what his mean is. Like I've <laughs> I have I have no idea what his mean is. 
And and so so anybody saying he's going to regress to the mean, like straight up point point that point that to me on like on a graph and tell me because I want to know. Like I have no idea what that means. Uh. I, I, I conceivably, I, th I think he can, I think he can keep it up. And that, the thing is that what he's doing right now, isn't like some, some like absurd, like, like, a, like RG three rookie season, a, a big part of his game was, was the RPO, right? It was, it was the RPO. And then you have the play action bootleg rollout where the, the run game was very strong. And then they bootlegged and they kept, they kept hitting like Pierre Garcon for, you know, uh, a bunch, a bunch of yards and stuff like that. That was like their plays and the minute like that entire offense kind of got shut down by by whatever like he came back to the reality of of that he just wasn't really a good pocket passer and he just couldn't do basic like three-step drops it was awful like it was it made <laughs> watching washington for years it made it so painful <laughs> and the thing is gino's gino is he's not doing something on like some like a weird concept or weird play he's doing it on every play like you can't you take away one type of play, he'll just do it on the other play. So it's I don't even know what the regression to mean is. Like, will he be top five forever? Maybe not, but top ten, yeah. I I can see it. Like he's he's shoot. I don't I don't know. I don't yeah, I, I can see it. I, I think he's playing extremely, extremely well. Yeah, no, the whew, man. I wrote about that this morning on the athletic, Tuesday morning on the athletic. Uh, just it doesn't feel like a fluke. Um, you know, staying no. staying with the offense here, you know. It's kind of funny. I got to admit, look at the numbers. You look at how the offense looks. You look at them going shotgun on third and one and fourth and one and calling a bunch of plays and uh, calling a bunch of pass plays. Uh, they're, Chris, they're kind of letting Geno cook uh, yeah. <laughs> here. Really, this is a this is an, a pass-heavy offense. Uh, Sam, I'm sure you've seen that same kind of thing when you look at the film. What do you make of, of Pete and Shane having a pass first offense, you know, pretty much right after losing Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny. Cause like they're what their neutral throwing percents. And like, uh, I was reading some stats on that and it's like the Seahawks are like top five in that. Like they throw a lot more than they really should in terms of like what you expect for, especially for like a P Carroll above expectation type throwing system or like running system. Uh, they throw a lot, a lot. And it's, I think it's great. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a hundred percent here for it. Um, yeah, it's from a play calling perspective, it's, it's the little things that you couldn't really do with Russell Wilson that you can do with Gino because he can hit the dagger concept. He can throw it over the middle between five and 15 yards that mm -hmm. Russell Wilson just is allergic to. He just can't do it. Russell Wilson can hit the seam 25 yards down the field in the middle. Sure. But he can't hit like a, like a 12 yard, like in route. It's it's stuff like that that makes me very happy and very like like confident going forward that okay if if he even continues to this point or even regresses to like a top 10 guy at like which is where at worst I see him for the rest of the season. I I I I think I'm kind I'm kind of now on on team keep Gino and you know and spend all your picks on defense and just roll man just like keep going. I'm I'm here for it. I want to look at the running back situation because, unfortunately, Rashad Penny goes down with the injury that ends this season. But the Seahawks draft Ken Walker the third, and I remember having you on. We had you on in May, and you you liked the pick. You didn't love it. You thought they could probably get more value from mm. someone else in the draft class. Since then, has that position changed for you? Now that you've seen Ken, what Ken Walker can do, or you're like, no, Chris, they still could have gotten 
such and such here or there, even though Kim Walker is balling out? Yeah, it's a really good question. And in terms of playing above, he's I think he's playing above my expectations, but I always had like high expectations for him because he was my number one running back in the class. It was for me, it was for Ken Walker. It was never about me disliking the player. It was about disliking the pick. He was Ken Walker was was always my number one running back. He was always a guy that I thought should go in the early to mid second. And he was always a guy that um, I knew he was one of the best pure talented runners in the entire class. So to me, it's not shocking that he's playing very well. It's surprising that he's playing this well, like to play with one of the highest uh, like rush yards over expected. Right now, he's. I'm, I'm, I just looked at this up this morning. He has a 1.8 rush yards over expected, and his offensive line, which is hilarious, is is not blocking as well on his runs. And as at least at least at least compared to like Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny had beautifully blocked lanes and and he chunked more yards for them, but not to the level that Ken Walker is doing. Like Ken Walker is taking that to like an extreme. And. I don't think my opinion and in, in the process of the opinion has changed. I, I still don't think I would have taken Ken Walker with that pick. However, it's still, he's still playing extremely well. And I still really like the dude and I, and, and I, and I love his play style. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Like, I don't, I think even the guy that I pointed to, I think he got injured in like week one or week two. And, and so I think it was Minnesota's cornerback. Um, uh, that they took like the, literally like the pig after or something like that. Uh, and man, I'm going to hate myself for <laughs> forgetting what this dude's name is. Um, let's look it up really quickly. Who did go around that? I know Kyler Gordon went to the bears around that time. It was Andrew Booth was, oh, was from Clemson, yeah, Clemson, Clemson yep. corner that I was like, Seahawks need cornerbacks. And guess what? They got two cornerbacks later in the draft that actually worked out. Uh, so it's, the process of the pick was not something that was ideal in my opinion. And I'll stand by that, but man, the pick is playing really well. I really <laughs> like, that. like I'm not, I'm not going to all like, I'll, I'll gladly, I'll gladly like take a figurative L on that one. Sure. I don't like, it doesn't bother me. Cause I think, I think the process is just what I just didn't really like at the time. The reason I have Le'Veon, I mean, Kim Walker as the headline is because that's who he reminds me of when he's running the ball and bouncing around, trying to find a hole. I mean, we saw it Guys, last patience. Sunday. Yeah, oh exactly. And it's it's cool to see. So I would ask you, who do you compare him to? Or is there someone that you see that, oh, I like his style and that's what he's doing? Or is he doing his own thing? Yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I feel like this time of the year, I just forget whoever I potentially compare <laughs> them to over the off season. So I'm just like, I, I need, I need to think about like who he could potentially be. Uh, to me, there is that Le'Veon Bell level of patience that I just love. Like, um, I broke this down in my video on him. Um, it was a counter GT run to the left out of shotgun. And this is against the Chargers, and this was like opening drive, and Ken Walker took it for 15 yards. And to anybody who just who just casually watched that, you see a giant hole to the left. He just took it. There you go. He got 15 yards. But he set that up. He set that hole up by being patient, by stepping and pressing inside, by by allowing the defense to make mistakes, which is what Bell has always done or always did do. 
in order to then create outside of that. And he has the ability to press that offensive line and create those holes and, and help himself create more yards than basically what's out there. And to me, that's like his, like his superpower is that not only is he like really fast dude, that's elusive in space. It's that he has that natural feel for how a defense would, would potentially defend the run. And, and he finds the guy, he targets them, he steps, he, he kind of does his little shifty, shifty squat, squat his lower half move, and, th and then he bursts the other direction. It's great. He's done it multiple times this season. It's been awesome. But yeah, I mean, I think the Le'Veon Bell patience is there, and that's something that I'm like 100% here for. I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. My last one on the offense, it's going to sting a little bit because you were high on this wide receiver and his the injuries, <laughs> them trying to implement him in the game, and there's an explosive play, and then there's a penalty, and they're like, oh, it's on number one. D. Eskridge. Yeah, God, he's bad. This point, <laughs> he, he's getting more reps, which is great to see. He's he's getting more reps, and that's awesome. But the impact is still not there. Hell, we saw the dude returning kicks, doing kickoff. Like, they're trying to get a an yeah. upstart with him, and it's for whatever reason, it's just not happening. Happening. Has the ship sailed or if you were the offensive coordinator or just had some personnel decisions to make, how would you approach trying to use D. Eskridge moving forward? Yeah. And so for me, it was D. Eskridge's upside and his speed. And, and I thought he would be a good kind of underneath replacement for Lockett as he was kind of learning the, the deeper the nuances of the deeper routes from a guy like Lockett as Lockett ages. That was my hope for Eskridge. I expected some screens. I expected some, some end arounds. I expected some underneath plays that would get him the ball, get him in space and allow him to use his speed. Marquis Goodwin has been that guy. Marquis Goodwin is taking all those snaps and he is, and he is to his credit, he is killing it in that regard. And Eskridge has not done anything in my opinion to deserve those snaps back. And I feel, I feel bad saying that because like, I want to, I want to like him. I, 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 you see the talent when he's out there, but you also see just like, you just see this lack of, of you see, you see, you see this, this, this consistent lack and inability to, to consistently make plays that it's something that I, I, I don't think, a lot of us expected based on based on his, his film coming out of college. It just it just feels like he hasn't really <laughs> it feels like he hasn't really done anything. Um, there's been a couple plays that I think he should have gotten. Um, I broke these down um, in my video. I think it was on DK Metcalf versus Jeff Okuda, where there was a play where D. Eskridge should have gotten the ball for like a 20 plus yard gain on a corner route. There's been two of those that I've seen over the past um, that that week and the the, the next week after where. Gino has a spot concept, I think it was on the left side, where, where DK sits as that spot route sitting there. It's, it's like a, a, a six-yard in route, or, or sorry, six-yard like hitch route over the uh, on the left, like by like the left hash mark. You have Eskridge running a corner route where he uses kind of DK as a little bit of a pick. And then you have like a tight end, like a Will Disley or a Noah Fant kind of just taking that out route. And this spot route is great to find space between zones because Eskridge would theoretically pull that underneath cornerback out of the way along with that out route. Um, he'll pull that deep corner out of the way. 
and and that usually that linebacker over there will see Eskridge running and you'll try to match it and that's what opens up that little hole right there usually in zone defenses those two plays that I mentioned DK was covered perfectly he should not have gotten the ball but Eskridge was wide open hand up like he's he's out there and a reasonable pass out there to the left would have given two 20 plus yard plays and we would have been like all right and Eskridge has has made a couple plays Outside of those two plays, I have not seen Eskridge be that wide open and that basically to that point, he is not creating for himself against any type of coverage that makes you think, oh, he deserves the ball more. He isn't really, he's not beating man coverage. He's not beating zone coverage. There's, he's, he's not doing that much on his screen passes. Like there's, there's not much in terms of what he's offering to the Seahawks offense that can't be replaced by somebody else. And that to me is extremely concerning as a second, as like a second year player and as a second, a former second rounder. Like he's, he's not at all. Like I, uh, it wouldn't shock me if, if next year he's cut, which is unfortunate to say. Mm. Oh, I don't think, I think that the, this, this regime will getting rid of early picks is tough. You know? Yeah. I, uh, sorry. I don't mean like this summer. I meant like the following, like after his third year, I don't like, I don't see him. Wait, what year are we? Twenty. He was drafted twenty twenty one. Yeah, he's a he's a year two guy. Year they, two. They just tend to hang on to guys they've made some. Like, I mean, they're still you know, LJ has been relatively unproductive statistically, still around. Fair. You know? All right. Fair. Good point. They believed in Rashad for so long, um, and ooh, boy, did that pay off. Um, <laughs> yeah, sucks he, keeps, sucks. he keeps getting hurt, man. That's that's yeah. Really, I have I do have a thought on D, and it's gonna. I mean, it sounds really bad based on. What happened the last time they tried this? I do think him in the backfield um, is where he <laughs> so could, bad. It, it, was, it was really bad. It, and it wasn't even like it was a bad play. He just dropped the ball, you know. Like, yeah. Knows, but I know that's something that <laughs> that's the worst it was, part of it. It was, it was, it was, it was really bad. Um, but I do think that's where he's uh, comfortable. Um, to remember, he's a guy who was a, a, runner, a running back in high school, um, recruited as a running back, um, played running back before he was moved to receiver and then he was moved to corner and then moved back to receiver. Um, so he's actually shifted around a, a lot. I think he, he, cause he's, he's, he's got a strong upper body too. He's mm. not like really wiry uh, like uh, Marquise, for example, yeah. or like T rich or like some of those other slot guys they've, they've had, you know, when he, Philip Dorsett, even like D's mm. kind of built uh, upstairs. Like he is kind of reminds me of Doug in that way he can he he's sturdy too like um so i i think that's what sh i saw shane waldron's vision with the with the toss that they ran to him it's like he just gotta yeah catch the, he's gotta catch the the ball but i don't like them getting him super horizontal though that does not seem to i don't really think they have anyone who's like really good at that other than ken <laughs> and ken's mm. ken's the only guy who's like you get him horizontal on some sweeps and stuff it seemed like he would make it work everyone else doesn't seem like they can cut Super well. That's my only suggestion there. Also, or you can just throw it to him deep. I don't think has DA got a deep ball since he's been. I don't here? think he's gotten a deep. No, he deep. hasn't. The ones that Sam were talking about were his potentials there, and that didn't yeah. happen. Yeah, like I, and he, he is he, fast. Very fast. And you can even argue those those were scheme design corner routes that you know he didn't really do anything besides run them. Um, <laughs> so there's there's that argument too, which is not a good argument. Uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> the, the usage of him very very interesting. I do think it's one of those things too where like. Um, he hasn't like told me this or anything, but I can, I, I've talked to enough young guys about this. When you're not doing the thing that you like, 
it, it, it just kind of throws off everything when you even mm -hmm. if when you get opportunities to do the thing you like um you see that with linemen sometimes I, I, that's my theory with daryl taylor too earlier in the year it's like man i'm out here setting edges and shit mm -hmm. all right alice third down and then the pass rush stuff is just not not there right and then they take now he doesn't have those edge rush responsibilities as much as a you know on early downs mm -hmm. boom comes to life as a as a guy yeah same thing with i think of how they were having their their three techniques uh, well there i guess there would be four techniques like two gapping and stuff at the beginning of the year uh so puna's not playing super well is as an example they start letting him just shoot gaps boom starts playing well like when you get to do when you get to play free a little bit do what you're more comfortable with you just you're more likely to start turning up uh i think you know they got they had d earlier in the year 13 personnel just blocking and shit taking on safety yeah and edges on tosses and while that's your job do it you know sometimes yeah, give me a little something, you know. Yeah, give give me a little play that I'm comfortable with, and then ask me to do the dirty work. Um, and not saying it should work like that, but I mean these guys are human beings at the end of the day. If yeah. You ask me to do the shit I don't like. You give me the one play that I do out of like 50, 40 snaps in two games, and, and I don't come through. Like, I do think that's a a part of the game I get, which is probably why Shane was like, "Fuck it, man, I'm about to just hand it to you on a toss." <laughs> yeah. Get busy, and then he drops it. So, so I guess, I guess, I guess to, to that, to that point, I guess like, what, what do you think Eskridge is like, like, he's like, all right, I, I love a, a, a post route. Let me run a post. I'll do everything else. Like, is that his play? Like what, what is his play? I, I do think that he's more, he'd be better used down the field a little bit. Um, instead of like all this vertical, not vertical, horizontal stuff. Yeah, like, a lot he, of horizontal. Yeah, you saw his college. He, he wasn't, he wasn't a gadget guy. He wasn't no. Percy Harvin in college he was getting slants and taking them to the house he was he looked more like yeah. obj than he did percy in that regard like he would or you know he would just take he would or take a little quick curl make a guy miss and then he was he was yeah. gone it was a lot of getting him in space but not like getting him in space like a like you would a robert woods you know so i think that that's because you need to be able to when you when you're a jet sweep guy you have to be able to eventually cut up Mm -hmm. and usually you need to make someone miss to do that you know it's yeah. not just being fast which is why they don't jet sweep it to dk because he's not just gonna cut around yeah you know the the edge same thing my that's my theory with tyler lockett as well these all these guys are good straight line runners whereas someone like ken marshawn by the way is my ken uh comp by the way the way they like the it. jump cuts is like very yeah. marshawn marshawn has a really famous one where he jukes the shit out of ray lewis um to clinch a game in like 2012 or 11 or something but anyway that would be my thing with these get him going uh vertically more um yeah and less less of this gadgety shit. he's not a gadget guy you know yeah. uh, that that's my theory at least not saying to cure everything but i do have having talked to the guys and watch film like have that that combination of both it is fascinating how often you see that like impact uh players it's really true with linemen a lot of the time too particularly mm. with o-line miss like that's why none of o-linemen don't like shit like the air raid it's like come on coach you got me going backwards 40 snaps please just give me duo just a couple mm. times please <laughs> you know give me something give me power like on, on one drive please so i'm not backpedaling against 250 pound strong ass dudes like frank clark or you know miles garrett you know tj watson shit so that's that's one thought and i'd say to cure everything but i mean when you're wide receiver four anyway you don't get a lot of targets so it's not not gonna help but there's my there, i'm a d truther now so <laughs> i mean it's yeah we're i mean where are the snaps gonna come from because he gets what 20 to 30 snaps a game and so the question is that when when the, when the seahawks go into 
like a 12 like a 12 um grouping with with like Noah Fant and, and Disley on the field or or you, you sub in Parkinson there then you you almost always play Lockett and, and and DK um and then sometimes when they go to 13 which which they pull all three tight ends on the field they'll sometimes have Marquise Goodwin in there like yep. he'll be that that extra dude and so it, it's like at what point are you throwing in I feel like you're only throwing in Eskridge on majority of the time it's like an 11 personnel thing with only one tight end and then you have it's Eskridge is just taking snaps from Goodwin or somebody else so it's like at what plays are you are you going to use and it has to be more in their kind of their their, their traditional drop back games and, and 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 maybe at that point maybe you can use Eskridge to blow off for you know on post routes or or um maybe you just run like a post wheel or something with Eskridge running that post and Lockett running the wheel behind him or something you know I I think there are probably creative ways to get him into like those type of routes. Uh, it's just it's just interesting that it's just like I think it's probably so low on their priority list given that they have a DK, that they have a locket, that right. K9 yeah. can just bust runs, that like it's that Gino can scramble himself. Like there's it seems like so low on the priority list that there's not really a, a quote unquote need, but maybe eventually there will be. Yeah, I think what it'll probably happen is I mean, and David Moore showed us a little bit of this. Like when you're the third yeah. guy or even the fourth guy. You just got to catch the few opportunities you get. Yeah. And if you make a big play out of them, you'll have enough highlight reel of enough of a highlight reel to get paid somewhere else. You know, mm. the Panthers didn't cash him out, but it's because he was catching game winners every every like four weeks. It was like, oh yeah. shit, we'll take a chance on this David Moore guy. Uh, exactly. He didn't get a lot of targets. His career high in targets, or excuse me, in catches like was like 35 his final year. And he only hit that because if you guys remember in the final game of the year. Uh, regular season game, yeah, they uh, he had an incentive to hit, and I think it was Austin Davis who told Rush just give him like a pop pass or something like that, so he could hit the uh, the bonus in like week seventeen or something like that, and that was to get like past thirty five, you know. So it's, you don't get a lot of action, you know. That's like two targets a week or two catches mm -hmm. a week, you know, as wide receiver three or or four. But yes, yeah, I think uh, you guys are right, Sammy, right too. Like when you got D, or, excuse me, when you got DK and Tyler and Ken. Don't really need to give the ball to anybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you don't. You're gonna score. I think the fourth highest scoring offense in the league, at 26 points, fourth or fifth or something like that. They're a top five scoring offense. So mm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know, that's mm. that's for sure. We got anything else for we uh, let Sam get out of here, Chris? Man, we thank you for chopping it up with us, man. We really appreciate your time. It's always fun talking Seahawks stuff with you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. This was awesome. I had a great time. Uh, you, got it. you got it. Tuning in. Oh, oh, you got it, Chris? You did an outro? <laughs> you got it. All right, all right, all right. Uh, thank all right, I got it. This is your Seahawks <laughs> Man podcast. I'm Chris Kidd. I'm Mike Dugar. I'll see you guys <laughs> later. I'm out. you <laughs> <laughs> From a time to